0: Our um, passage this morning that I'll be looking at is in First Thessalonians, and just a brief word before I read the scriptural text, uh, <clears throat> probably around <clears throat> 48, 49, somewhere in there, uh, Paul had gone, or, or actually was on his first missionary journey, and went to one of the cities he went to was Thessalonica, and there he had a very positive ministry, especially amongst the Gentile community, but uh, shortly thereafter, um, a, 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 a strong group of detractors rose up and actually ran Paul out of Thessalonica, and he had probably been there somewhere between three weeks and three months. Scholars differ on that, but regardless, it was a very, very short time. And as you might imagine, this missionary pastor who's planting a church by God's grace has to leave, ends up, I believe, in Corinth, and uh, gets word later that the church is thriving. And so a few months after he left, we think, probably in 49, 50, somewhere along there, he writes a letter. And it's, a, it's just a short letter. It's written to the Thessalonians, and it's one of the most encouraging of the New Testament letters. And so I want to just read the first three verses this morning and then comment primarily on the last of those three verses. So Paul writes to these guys uh, who've been in the faith a very short time, and these, again, are people that he's very concerned about. He wants them to do well. He says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And thus ends the reading of God's holy and inspired, authoritative word. Let's pray and ask God's blessing. Our Father, we do ask you to bless the ministry of the Word of God. Father, we desperately need a word from God today, not a word from a preacher, but we need the very Word of God. Help us, Lord, as we look at the scripture today that you might illumine our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit to understand the meaning and to see how it applies to our lives and the difference that it makes for us as it is a lamp unto our feet, is a guide for our life and forms and shapes who we are in Jesus Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin this Little short period, we find immediately that Paul is a man of prayer, and he prays for his people. And this isn't the thrust of the sermon this morning, but I do want you to bear in mind that wherever Paul went, uh, he prayed for the people, and after he left, he prayed for the people, and he he believed that God uh, honored prayer, and God does honor prayer. And I simply say this to encourage all of us to be people of prayer. It's a very wonderful thing to spend uh, time in prayer, uh, honoring God, glorifying God, praying for the saints. uh, And it's really a good thing to do uh, just in the early hours of the morning when you wake up and just begin your day with prayer. So I just want to encourage you with that. Um, I think I heard a very famous preacher a number of years ago when I was a young man and he, this guy was at the end of his ministry, and he remarked that the one thing that he wished he'd done more of in his Christian life and Christian ministry was to pray. He said, I didn't do enough of that. And so I thought I might mention that. Now, what I really want to focus on this morning is the third verse, and it is a verse that deals with three key aspects of the Christian life. Now, bear in mind, Paul has been gone from these people, he's hearing back about these people, and he is desperate to know that the Christian faith has really taken root in their lives. And he gets this report, and he writes back, and the things that he says indicates that yes, for sure, these are genuine believers in Jesus Christ. And the things that he says about them are the things that indicate to him that their faith is for real. So there are three things. Number one is the work of faith. Number two is the labor of love. And number three is the steadfastness of hope. Now, John Stott said that uh, every Christian is a believer, a lover, and a hoper. (laughs) I like that. And he goes on to say that faith, hope, and love are thus the sure evidences of regeneration by the Holy Spirit, and together they completely reorient our lives. John Calvin said about the same thing, but much simpler. John Calvin simply said this, that these three things are a brief description of true Christianity. These things are a brief description of true Christianity. So I want to just look at them very quickly this morning, beginning, of course, with the work of faith. And immediately, when we look at these terms, work of faith, it may be, it may be that you're thinking as you consider this, don't you see, Paul, there's a contradiction in terms here? Which is it? Is it faith or is it works? And Paul says, well, yes. Well, okay, Paul, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I just want to think about this for a moment. Uh, the word for faith here in Greek is pistis. And it, it's, it is a word uh, that the uh, Reformers and others described in three Latin terms. Uh, one of these is notitia, to note, uh, or to have knowledge of. Uh, a census, to assent or agree to. And the last one is fiducia, to rest or trust in. And so faith is a matter of knowing, agreeing, and resting. And if I'd had a, a chair up here handy, I'd go sit in it and then put my feet up and my hands up and that would be the rest. And I want to ask you, where is the work in that? There's no work in that. There is absolutely no work in that. And so, when Paul says, your work of faith, it begs the question, what do you mean? We, 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 know, you, you, we know that, Paul, you, you are a man that strongly believed in uh, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. and You even spend a chapter in Romans, chapter 4, explaining that Abraham was justified not by works of the law, but by faith. Hmm. So, how is it that we have work of faith. Well, the Reformers came along as they looked at this, and they said, we're not saved, uh, we we are saved, I should say. (laughs) We're saved by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. And the great Puritan pastor, whose commentaries are still available, they're just a free download, Matthew Henry, every Christian should read Matthew Henry, I think. He said this, whenever there is true faith, it will work. It will have an influence upon the heart and the life. So work of faith is the result of what God is doing in the life of a believer so that that believer does work. James said, "Uh, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And he goes on to show that faith without works is dead. So the faith that we have um, bears the fruit of works, I think, is, is the idea that Paul has in mind here and also in Ephesians. For by grace are you saved through faith um, that's not of yourselves. Uh, it's the gift of God, lest anyone should boast for we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. And that's Ephesians chapter 2. And then Philippians 2, Therefore, my beloved, as you have already obeyed, uh, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work of his good pleasure. My first pastor explained that. He said, put your salvation to work. See that it's, it's, it's... it's effectual it's effective um that helped me a lot and then and then we consider salvation itself um salvation is from the penalty of sin it ultimately is even from the very presence of sin but salvation here and now is from the power of sin so we are we're justified and we're no longer under god's condemnation we're ultimately glorified, and we're not even in the presence of sin in any way. But in this life, we're being sanctified, and we're being led out of a life of sin into a life of righteousness to be con- being conformed to the image of Christ. And so that really is a, sort of a um, just um, a picture of the Christian life, that this is what God is doing. He loves us too much to leave us in our sin is what it all boils down to, and he wants us to bear fruits of our Faith, And th- these are the work of faith. So when Paul looks at these guys in Thessalonica and sees that they're actively doing the things that Christians ought to be doing, he rejoices, not because they're working their way to heaven, but because they've been saved, and these good works accompany those who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Um, you, you, you guys know that Cherry and I serve in Uganda, okay? Um, and we've been serving there since 2008. Uganda is an interesting place. Uh, the fruit that we pay an arm and a leg here for, and it's often tiny little fruit, over there is very inexpensive and very, very large and very tasty. And it's really, I tell the Ugandans, you, you, you people live in the Garden of Eden, you just don't know it. Uh, Years ago, I went to the store, or our Cherry did, and bought some avocados. And we love avocados, and they're big, hunker avocados. And so we ate the avocado. We put it in all kinds of things, and we just love to eat these. And wanting to be a good steward of God's world, I took the seeds and just threw them out to let them rot and uh, replenish the soil, or however that works, Okay. Uh, Six months later, I look over at this area where I'd thrown a seed, and there's a tree coming up. It's not a very big tree, but it's a tree nonetheless. And I think, I wonder where that came from. And I vaguely remembered throwing an avocado seed over there. And about a year later, it's a much larger tree, and within about two years, that tree is bearing, guess what? Avocados. And since that time, I throw avocado seeds out all the time. We have about six or eight avocado seeds. It's it's almost an avocado plantation. Um, But the point is, is that the tree, because of the roots that go down and form that and and give that tree the growth that it needs, they bear the fruit of what they are. And that's the way it is for Christians. We bear the fruit of righteousness because we are the righteous in Christ. It's just called sanctification. Okay? So the work of faith. And so what Paul is simply saying is, I see this happening. And I rejoice because I see the reality of your faith. So that's work of faith. Don't don't be confused over that. It's really not confusing, I don't think. But then there's the labor of love. And this is also, uh, I think, a very descriptive um way of of speaking of Christians, we do a labor of love. And the word for love, there are a number of Greek words for love, but this one is, everybody I guess who's been a Christian for more than a a day and a half or so knows that It's agape love. And that wasn't really a technical word. The Christian church sort of took it and ran with it. And um, I think it's one of the main words used for love for God in the Old Testament translation, but also now in the New Testament, agape love. And for God so agape loved the world, that he gave his only unique son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so it's a sacrificial love. It's a, uh, an active love. It's a commitment love. And we could put more adjectives to go with this. But this is a great love. It's God's love. And it's a working love. Never think that God's love came easily. It did not. And so there is a love of God that is from us is Godward and manward. We love God back. We love because he first loved us. And we love one another because we love. God gives us the ability in Christ to love where before we perhaps could not do so. So this this love is based on God's sacrificial love for us. It's based on uh, knowing that God loves us uh, in spite of ourselves. And God's love is a commitment, covenant love. Um, And so we love the same way. We love God back because he loved us. And we love one another because he loves us. And it, it, love begins to characterize the Christian's life. If you're a Christian, love should characterize your life. We should be lovers. We should be lovers. Um, and God changes us. Uh, maybe you were a hater, but as you become a Christian, you learn to be one who is able to love. And love in ways that you never thought perhaps were uh, a doable. But he adds a word to the word love. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a stronger word for work. Um, this word uh, in Greek is the word that we would talk about working with the toil and the sweat and the fatigue. Whatever it takes, we love. No matter how hard it gets, we love. We just stay the course and love. Uh, I talked to a guy a few months ago who... Uh, was in West Texas and he was sixty mid sixties. Rides motorcycles. Said, you know, I took a trip not too long ago. Oh? Yeah, went to New York. I said, really? He said, let me tell you about my trip to New York on my motorcycle. I I left out from Lubbock. And I figured, I left early in the morning, I figured by the end of the day, I'll stop and spend the night. Well, by the end of the day, there was no motel, there was no hotel, there was nothing. He said, I just kept on going. I said, seriously, you kept on going? Yeah, I kept on going. So he rode all day, and he rode all night. And the next day, he was riding. This is a guy in his 60s. And he says, then it came time to go to bed. There was no motel. And I rode on. I said, seriously? You rode on? He said, yeah. He said, man, when I got to New York, he said, you have no idea how tired I was. And I said, well, I can guess. That's Kapos. I know another guy who recently in his mid-70s was building a fence with a buddy who was actually older than he. And this guy would get out early in the morning and go out and work a hard hour. And at that point, he was completely exhausted. I mean, done for for the day. This is not a 25-year-old guy. This is an old guy. But his buddy was out there working, and he thought, I can't let him down. And so he went in to rest for a little while and then he got up and he went out and worked the whole rest of the day at about one quarter speed with no energy, completely exhausted. That's what this word means. That's the way we love. We love when it's hard to love. We love when it's tiring to love. We love when it's not fun to love. And that's the love of which the Apostle Paul is speaking it's an exhausting love and so you stop and think about it and you say well how did Paul see this in their lives well they live in a pagan, wicked uh, very ungodly society and to take a stand for Christ and to live for the Lord is to be diametrically opposed to their culture and to be on the outs with everybody and yet Paul was watching that they did just that not living lives of perfection we saw in, in Romans 7 this morning we struggle, we really do but in the struggle, we have victory because God is working and, and promises us there's no condemnation. And that's what these guys were doing. And they were they were, they were staying the course. They were living the life. They were they were striving to honor God with their lives. So they were basically they were loving God by fighting sin. And then the other thing that I, I just I pull from from the Thessalonican experience is these guys were loving God under adverse circumstances. It's so easy when things are going well to say, love you, Lord. But when things are hard and difficult, oh, whine and moan and groan and maybe even shake your fist at God and say, why me? Well, Paul would say, why not you? And he had taught these guys these certain things. And they're living according to A love for God. They're loving God back because God in Christ first loved them. But then they're loving others. They had to love their neighbors who did not love them. And they had to love their brothers and sisters in Christ who are not always perfect. And we all know that. We're a church. uh, We're human families. And sometimes we, we get on each other's nerves. Oh, we irritate each other. Oh, we do one another wrong, and so on and so on. And what do you do? Well, according to the Bible, we love one another, in spite of ourselves, and in spite of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But love is a dominant feature here for the Christian. We need to be lovers of one another, of God and one another. Paul says in Romans twelve ten, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And then he adds, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Oh, dear. That's hard. The next time that guy cuts you off in traffic, rather than saying something under your breath or out loud, you might pray for that. I won't say what that person is, but it's the one that is my wife is wont to say... He's, he's putting everybody's life at risk. Well, he is, and he needs to be prayed for because that is not good. But we need to live as those who, who exhibit the love of God that God has exhibited for us. Uh, Paul even says in Romans 12 a little bit later, live in harmony with one another. Uh, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. We manifest the love of God that God has given to us, and it overflows from us to other people. And sometimes it's hard to do, but we do it because it was hard for God. When you look at God's love for us, and uh, I had a friend correct me on saying it was hard for God the other day. And, you know, I'm, probably I'm wrong because God is sovereign. But when I look at the cross, it seems pretty hard to me. Okay? But think about this. God, the Father, set his love on you from all eternity. Before he ever created the heavens and the earth, you were in his heart. I don't know how that works. But it is from before the ages began, we're told. God the Son on the cross cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, Not an easy thing. But He did it for you. He did it for me. That's love. God the Holy Spirit regenerated you, bringing you to faith. You're you're walking in darkness. You are the darkness. And God regenerates and changes from the inside out so that you uh, not only can but will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then God the Holy Spirit, because God loves us so much, comes to live in our lives and changes our lives from the inside out. It's called, as I mentioned earlier, sanctification. And we come from a life of sin. And God works in us to bring from us uh, deeds of righteousness and a righteous life. Um, and then God the Son This is the one that gets me. He ever lives to make intercession. He ever lives to make intercession. Because I need to be interceded for all the time. Satan is a great accuser of the brethren. And he's got plenty to accuse me for, I can assure you. But Christ is interceding. He never ceases to make intercession. And then there's the matter of discipline. Have you ever thought how wonderful it is that God loves you enough to discipline you? Praise God. You really love me, Lord. You want me to be what I'm supposed to be. You don't leave me to myself. And that, brothers and sisters, is a huge gift of the love of God. And then lastly, when I consider the love of God... Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 8. It, it can't happen. It's impossible. It is absolutely impossible to be severed from the love of God if God loves you. It can't happen. Well, there's security in that. Praise God for that. But, but the way that works is it makes us want to love him back. And because we love him, we love one another as well. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and our neighbor as ourselves. So there's your labor of love. But then the last of the three, the steadfastness of hope or the endurance of hope. Now the word hope is an interesting word uh, in English because it really doesn't carry much certainty, does it? Uh, you're going to have a good vacation this summer? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, uh, you're going to graduate from school next year? I, I hope so. Uh, you're going to get over the, the, the w- whatever it is from, from your medical need? I, I hope so. But this word, I, I did a word study on it when I was a brand-new Christian because it confused me. A lot of these things confused me as a baby Christian. I wanted to figure them out. And I looked this word up, and one of the usages of this word is there is a guy... In the ancient world, like 2nd century Greek, uh, it, it's written in Greek, and he's looking out on the landscape, and he sees this cumulonimbus cloud, and it is a definite storm, rain, cloud, and it's coming his way, and his buddy looks at him, and he says, hey, man, you think it's going to rain? And he says, I hope so. I, elpis, that's the Greek word, I hope so, which indicates, yeah, it's really going to rain. So this steadfastness of hope is not hope against hope. It's not a, oh, I've got my hands together, I really hope so. No, it's a steadfastness of absolute certainty, an endurance because of the certainty. And the certainty is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming back. And these guys lived in anticipation of the return of Jesus Christ and so ought to. We, a confident expectation, a a true certainty that the the Christ who left is coming back. He's gone to prepare a place for us that where he is there we may be also. He's coming to fetch us, as it were. Christ lived, Christ died, Christ rose, and Christ is coming again. Corey Ten Boom said this, If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Praise God. Work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of certain hope. And I can think of nothing better to close this message with than... The end of Revelation chapter 22 where John writes, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask your blessing now. Oh, Lord, we praise you for the word of God, the living and abiding word of God. We pray that these things would encourage each one of us. the work of faith, that we have acting, active, working faith produced by the fruit of Christ in us, the hope of glory. That we have a labor of love, that because of the love of God for us, we are able to love one another and others who are unlovable even. And lastly, Lord, we look for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we long to see him as he is. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.